Hey everybody, welcome to Ask Me Anything. My name is Matt Love, and for the next few episodes on the podcast, we are going to do a little mini-series that's going to actually uh, tackle some questions that Pastor JD answered in a recent teaching series through Psalm 23. This was a really, really good series for our church. It was really challenging. It was really encouraging. And in the middle of answering and uh, going through this teaching series, Pastor JD answered some really challenging questions. Um, so we thought it'd be fun and helpful to go ahead and pull some of those out and uh, share them with you here because we think they could be really encouraging and helpful to you. And so the question that JD is answering in this first episode of this mini series is what does faith look like in seasons of suffering? And that can be really challenging to figure out what does it look like to have faith in Jesus, faith in God when things are not going well. And so um, when things are challenging and sad and hard. And so Pastor JD going through Psalm 23 answered this question. I think it could be really helpful. So let's dive in with what does faith look like in a season of suffering? Let's call this faith kind number two, the faith of desperation. Job expresses the faith of desperation in Job 13, 13, 15. One of my favorite verses in Job. Though he slay me, though literally I do everything I'm supposed to do and he says, thank you, and kills me, yet still will I trust him. God, I cannot understand what you're doing, but I know you're good. And so I... I know even though everything's falling apart right now, I'm still gonna trust you that you're working a good plan. Though you slay me, I'm still gonna trust you. This is your Harry Potter moment. I'm in book six. I know there's another book in this series. Let me just say candidly, many people never make it to this stage. They live on the faith of propriety. It makes them not only shallow Christians, it makes them really judgmental. Because when something goes wrong in somebody else's life, you know what they think? I wonder what they did wrong. Their marriage ain't going well, and you so you think, well, I bet you they're different behind closed doors than what we see of them. Mm-hmm. That's why their marriage is bad. Or their finances are a mess, and so you just say, well, they must not be very good money managers. Somebody needs some Dave Ramsey. All right, must not be putting God first. They act all generous, but clearly they're not because their finances are in a mess, or one of their kids start to wander, and so you think, well, I wonder what they did wrong in their parenting unlike me over here who's just killing it as a parent, which is why my kids are so awesome. So you think that way. You always assign blame because you only know the faith of propriety. But then, then God sends you through a Job chapter. And for some people, that, when that happens, they fall away from the faith, sadly. But see, others of you go on to develop the faith of desperation. It strips you of your judgmentalism and you start to say things like, though you slay me yet, I'm still gonna trust you. I'm gonna hold on. Is that where you are right now this morning? Have you ever been forced to develop this kind of faith? Dallas Willard says, often God allows us to reach the point of desperation so that we can learn how to trust. It's a hard lesson, but an essential one. The life without lack is known by those who have learned how to trust God in the moment of their need in the moment of their need, not before the moment of their need, not after the moment has passed, but in the moment of their need. For it is in that moment when everything else is gone, it is then, and pretty much only then, that you know the reality of God. Is that where you are? You say, well, wow. Y'all believe it or not, there was still another level of faith for Job. It's the faith of Psalm 23. Dallas Willard calls it the faith of sufficiency, number three. 
I used to think, y'all, that the faith of desperation was the ultimate expression of faith. But Dallas Willard showed me there was a third kind of faith, an even higher type of faith, and it appears right at the end of the book of Job. It's the faith, listen to this, that rejoices and, listen, listen, sits silently and calmly in the presence of the shepherd. You see, throughout the book of Job, Job has been talking a lot, protesting his situation before God, saying, God, I did it right. I obeyed you. I put you first in my marriage, put you first in my parenting, put you first in my finances, and look what happened. When are you gonna come through for me? Throughout the book of Job, Job keeps saying, I wanna appear before God. I wanna see God and talk him face to face. I can't wait to lay out this case before him and find out what in the world he was doing. So at the end of the book of Job, God grants Job that audience. Job sees God. Job stands in God's presence. And when that happens, Job says, Job chapter 40, behold, I am vile. What shall I answer you? Vile, by the way, doesn't mean what we think it means. It doesn't mean nasty or evil. A better translation of the Hebrew word kalal there, which is what we translate as vile, a better translation would be insignificant or unworthy. Because I am so insignificant, I lay my hand over my mouth. Once I've spoken, but I will not answer ever again. Yes, twice, but I will proceed no further. Job says, seeing you, I see how utterly small-minded and unwise I am and how utterly sovereign and good you are. Job continues, before this moment, I'd heard of you. I'd heard of you by the hearing of the ears. I, I, I went to church and I heard what the pastor said and I said, amen. I knew all the doctrines about you. I knew how to answer the theological questions. I knew that you were powerful and good, but now my eye sees you. Behold you, therefore I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. Surely I have uttered what I did not understand, things too wonderful for me, things which I could not know, did not know. Every teacher in here knows what it's like to have a student who can regurgitate the right answers, but has not internalized them. Job has always believed the right things about God here, but he has never felt them here. He's never feasted on them here. Job went in chapter 40 from believing in the goodness of God here, though he slay me, yet will I trust him, to feeling it here. I know you're good and I got nothing left to say. You see, at that point in the book, Job stopped pressing his case. He rested. He saw with his eyes the goodness of God and he knew that he could trust God in all things. In fact, did you see where it used the word repent? I repent in dust and ashes. What was he repenting of? I ask that because throughout the book of Job, if you've read it, the writer of Job says repeatedly that throughout the whole ordeal, Job never sinned with his lips. So what's he repenting of? He's repenting of not feasting upon and resting in the goodness of the shepherd. But now you see now, Job's vision of God is so full and so satisfying that what happens to him from this point on doesn't matter. He can trust in the goodness of God, content just to be in the presence of the shepherd where goodness and mercy surround him and follow him and satisfy him all the days of his life. Friend, that is called the faith of sufficiency. A lot of us are where Job was. We've heard about all these things with the hearing of our ears, but our eyes have never seen them and our souls have yet to feel them. Some of you are Bible scholar level in your perception of the doctrines of God, but you are kindergarten in terms of your experience of them. You said, well, what exactly did Job see? And how can I see it too? <laughs> well, see, now you're asking the right question. Job gives us a clue as to what he saw in chapter 19. Job says, I know, I know, verse 19, chapter 19, verse 25, I know that my Redeemer lives. 
And I know that in the end, he is gonna stand on the earth and I'm gonna stand with him. Job saw his redeemer alive after having been slain and standing on the earth, which means he wins. Job saw how committed God was to reconciling him and how secure his future was with God. He saw that Jesus, the redeemer, was standing now, which meant he was in control of everything. Job says in the words of the modern song we sing, he stands by my side because he stood in my place. Where do you learn the faith of sufficiency? Where do you learn it? At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light and the burden of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith, I received my sight so that now I am happy all the day. Not happy as in I got no troubles, but happy as in I am filled to overflowing in the presence of my shepherd. At the very end of the book of Job, in the final verses, God restored all that Job had lost sevenfold. And God did that because, well, God's good. God loves to pour out his goodness. See, the point of Job is, don't miss this, Job's joy and his peace and his security and his fulfillment came before that restoration. Job's faith of sufficiency was founded on the fact that his redeemer lived and stood with him. I know you stand by my side because you stood in my place. A God who would not forsake me then at the cross will not forsake me now in my hour of trouble. And I know that someday he's gonna keep his promise to turn all this mess for good and he's gonna make every sad thing come untrue. So why should I feel discouraged? Why should the shadows come? Why, why should my heart be lonely and long for heaven and home when Jesus is my portion now? My constant friend is he, his eyes on the sparrow. I know my shepherd watches me. I sing because I'm happy. I sing because I'm free for his eye is on the sparrow. And so I know he watches me. So why do you say, oh Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord and my right is disregarded by my God. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary and young men shall fall exhausted. But those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Oh, see, they'll mount up with wings like eagles. They'll run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. So let me ask you again, what do you think you like this morning? What do you fear? You fear your marriage going south? You feel your kids wandering? You fear your kids wandering? You're afraid of being single again or or single this time next year? You're afraid of your health deteriorating, the death of your spouse, the loss of your job, the collapse of your finances, nuclear war with Russia. No matter what it is, you can live without that fear. You don't have to be afraid of anything because God is with you. You have no lack so you can live without fear. Here's my dilemma. I can't, I can't teach you this. I couldn't even teach myself this. I can tell you stuff that you can hear with your ears like Job listened to, but it's only the Holy Spirit that can open the eyes of your heart or my heart. But I will tell you that sometimes he does that through pain. Sometimes he does that through suffering. Philip Keller says there's one thing that shepherds sometimes do that outsiders cannot understand. He said, when there's a sheep that continues to wander, no matter what the shepherd does, no matter how many times the shepherd brings the sheep back, he just continues to wander. The shepherd will, will take his staff and he will break the front legs of the sheep. Painful, awful. And then he has to carry because that sheep can't walk with the rest of the herd. He carries that sheep on his back for the next three months. 
as that sheep heals. You say, here's what happens though. It's almost like a miracle when the shepherd, after carrying that sheep on his back for three months, when he puts him down, that sheep never wanders again. Why? Well, not because he's afraid of having his legs broken. It's because that sheep has learned in that three months that he spent on the back of the shepherd, he's learned that all he needs for fulfillment and security is just to be close to the shepherd. See, maybe that's what God is doing to you right now. Maybe that pain in your life is not to punish you. Maybe it's just to teach you to learn more, to lean more fully on him. So that your joy goes from being contingent and it becomes unshakable because you're gonna know the greatest and most secure joy in the universe, the joy of knowing that the Lord is your shepherd and he's right beside you, knowing even when a hair of your head falls to the ground, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, Lord, take it, seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. Thank you so much for joining us today for Ask Me Anything. If you like our podcast, we would really, really, really love it if you would briefly rate and review it on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcast, Stitcher, Spotify, all kinds of places, so that others can enjoy it as well. It is really one of the most helpful things you can do. If you enjoy this, chances are someone else is going to enjoy it. So go ahead and give us a rating and a review. And also, make sure you're subscribed so you get all our new episodes directly on your device. Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next time on Ask Me Anything.